Recording. I missed my line about tabs. Let me take that back again. Say it. All right. Try it one more time. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Tabs, tabs, and tabs. Was that that was exactly the same way I said it, right? Yeah, pretty good. So natural. I'm impressed. <laughs> we are uh, talking God twice in one day. Ugh. You're welcome, Mike. This must be how our listeners feel when they're like, <laughs> when, "Hey, it's been a month. Here are six episodes." Yes, oh, God. <laughs> I was I say we. I mean, when you finally load up all those episodes and just mm. deluge them all at once. <laughs> Can we talk about podcasting a little bit? Sure. My, well, I was about to say my second love uh, compared to movies, but. I'm what about your wife? <laughs> no? <laughs> that's uh, that's different. That's not, a, you know, a hobby, Dave. Oh, nice. Okay. I appreciate that recovery. Well, well done. Recovery. How dare you even try to put them. You know, that's offensive, Dave. You're being offensive 30 seconds in. Usually, yes. Uh, which is probably why, you know, I want to say, hey, let's talk about podcasting and somehow, before I even get into it, you're like, no, no, let me say something ugly and disparaging. Let me, let me slip the knife under the ribs even before you begin. Jesus. Yes. Uh, so I'm, I'm made fun of in our little circles for um, dropping off the grid as far as podcasts you can listen to. And then when I rear my hideous head again i give you like 18 hours of mm -hmm. content a week and they go away who decided way back when that podcast would be like network television where you'd have a time slot you'd hit it every week and you know it's like sundays at six a new episode of off-screen death so this is not just an excuse to bring this man up again as we do in every episode but was it like the first major podcaster the one who kind of like not the first podcaster and maybe not the most well-produced but the one who kind of brought it to the forefront a little bit is kevin smith right mm. and he had his like I, I never and he had his like five different shows so there was right. like you know his you know regular cast would be on one day and then the mm. fat man on batman would be on another and like uh but i think he's a you know he is a child of the same age as you know, close to me and you. So it's probably used to that kind of TV type thing. Uh, but it's really mm -hmm. interesting because he, <laughs> I always find it funny that he termed podcasting, you know, this is the punk rock of media. You can do whatever you want. You can say whatever <laughs> you want. And of course he uses it to say the same old shit and set it up on a TV <laughs> schedule. <laughs> so, but I can curse and no one can tell me not to. <laughs> it's just, it's interesting because obviously you bring up someone who, Came to podcasting when he uh, basically gave up filmmaking, which <laughs> I think you and I find unfathomable to like, oh, I'll just stop directing movies. Um, stop living talk. the dream and then hang Bullshit. out and talk yeah. like anyone else does. Uh, weird, weird when, decisions. Yeah, you and I are using podcasting to talk about movies right. uh, exclusively. I don't know if you or I have ever done a podcast that's not movie related or been on one that's not. Mm somehow tied to films i don't think that i ha i mean no not even i, I like that distance I was, I was gonna say i like having characters to blame <laughs> right. for my personal troubles i was gonna bring up our mutual friend dwight's podcast the broken brain but even then it was usually connected to a movie and then we'll talk about psychology connected right. to it like i did on my original podcast so no even then there's always there's always movies because god forbid i just talk to my friends about anything real we have to <laughs> We do need that distance. It's also heightened. I had a conversation with 
Jason Michael about a week ago just on FaceTime. And let me tell you, it feels weird to be on a like a video call with my I could have my microphone set up because why not? I've got the camera and everything at the computer. And to realize like, oh, I'm not in podcast mode. So there can just be stretches of silence or huh. How about that? Which <laughs> Let me tell you, I've been on a few guests on a few podcasts like that. It <laughs> yeah, is those unnerving. do exist, uh, <laughs> but they're not great. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's uh, this is not an excuse for my uh, laziness. It's just uh, it is a thought because I, I have that sort of monkey on my back. I'm like, God, I gotta get these episodes up, and I'm thinking, for who? For what? <laughs> what? What is the point? Like, why not drop an album? Why? Why can we not go to the? Uh, you know, the, maybe even the double disc so here's, here's 16 episodes. Here's the other side of it. Um, so I think it depends on how much people like listening to us. So I know from my own experience, there are some podcasts and some podcasters that if they drop 10 episodes, I'd be like, great. I've got a lot of stuff to work through. And then some I'd be like, I don't like, I don't like, like this show, like this show. It's just like, oh, when it pops up every once in a while, it's fine. And if I see like five episodes in a row, I'm going to be like, delete, delete, delete. Not interested. That's just taking up room on my hard drive. Let's move on to the next thing. On your hard drive. This is why I also try to put us <laughs> on the lowest, like, you know, kilobyte right, per right. second or whatever. Uh, yeah. That's smart. Are, you know, smart. I mean, I remember. Megs. Come on. There are uh, podcasters who will remain nameless, who we both know, who would upload these episodes at like the highest possible quality like it was you know a lost beatles album that we all had to get like lossless yeah. audio flack and i'm like what do you i am literally never going to think about this 10 minutes after i listen to it just make it not take especially like back then this was like three or four years ago and it was like space was at a premium on phones now maybe not so much it's a little bit there's a little bit more room but back then i, was I remember like, bumping into Ugh. some of them where i couldn't even download it over cellular right because they're like hey this is more <laughs> more than we've allotted on this app <laughs> that should uh, be go the home. line if, it, if you can't <laughs> download it while you're not connected to wi-fi it's too big and the episode is probably too long well, okay. I would like for us to be on a weekly schedule, of course, and maybe if we uh, don't get a roadblock of this massive edit I'm doing on a film, I assure you no listener has seen, and they are certainly just going to swipe Marcus played or delete because they're like, oh, I've not seen that movie, which is the other rub with doing a movie podcast right. that usually, because I'm guilty of it too, if I've not seen the film in discussion, unless it's a new release podcast where they're saying like, hey, you should go see this this weekend. Now we're going to talk spoilers and you can dip out. Uh, you know, if it's an older classic, like perhaps from 2003, starring two blonde haired, beautiful, <sighs> rich white people and all of the problems and the folly that they have trying to determine if they want to fall in love or not. This is one everyone has seen, I assure you. So they're not going to skip past it. But if it wasn't something like Catalyst <laughs> Guy in 10 Days, if it was something like a Dave episode. Yeah, that's fair. And I've been listening to it. You know, so these are the ones you listen to. So I we also, have to give you six in a week. I... <laughs> you really commit to this. You're going to have to open up and yeah. dig deep. Okay. Bear that beautiful soul. Let me see what you... Andy Anderson. Benjamin Barry. Please come in. Hi, welcome. Uh, before we get started, how are you planning on paying for the session? Sweetie? How much is it? $300. 300 Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever it takes, yeah. So, 
Tell me, how long have you guys been seeing each other? Seven days. Seven days. Interesting. Is it too soon to be seeing a therapist? Well, Ben, seven days isn't like a lifetime or anything. Oh, it's like a week. It... Did you hear that tone? How can we not have a gulf between us with a tone like that? Uh, how are things between you sexually? Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> we haven't had sex. Oh, no, Ben has a little bit of a problem. Oh. I don't have a problem. Yes, you do. No, I do not yeah. have a problem. It's a big problem. I do not have a you problem. You have a problem. Look, 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 wait a minute. The, the one night that we even thought about getting close to having sex, all right, she up and decides she's going to nickname my... Penis? Yeah. Princess Sophia. Huh? You want to talk about shooting a man's horse? What? I thought Come on. it was a beautiful name. Mm, let's hmm. see, Benjamin. And when was it that you first realized that you were attracted to other men? Oh, what? That's serious. Yeah. Hmm. Benjamin, this is a safe space. Look, it's just simple. I like women, okay? It just happened that way. Methinks thou doth protesteth too much. You see, stop it. This is shit I'm talking about. What the hell is that? What did I do? Huh? Whoa, wait, I mean, this is what she does. Stop that. You know, I'm hearing a lot of latent anger here, Benjamin. <gasps> rageaholic. I'm not a rageaholic. I called stop. that one. You know what? Take a deep breath for me, Ben. Okay, let it go. Just let it go. Yeah. Yeah. I feel better. Okay. Come here. I've seen this before. I've seen it many times. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, would you two like to be left alone? No. Maybe you should get a room. You are hitting no. on our shrink. No, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, and you not. are a pathological flirt. Oh, Jesus, five seconds ago, I'm gay. Now I'm a pathological flirt? I sweat when I get nervous. Uh, which one is it, Andy? Hell, besides, why would I need to hit on another woman? You've got more than enough personalities to keep me completely occupied. That was hurtful. Okay. Ben, are you ashamed of Andy? Of course he ashamed. is. Of course he is. I'm not you ashamed. are. How do you think that? I'm not ashamed of you. It's like when I talked to his mother. He yeah. freaked out. No, you, you did that behind my back. She did behind my back. I just wanted to say hi. And you want to talk to my mother? You want, yeah, you want to talk to my mother? Talk to my mother. Hey, you want to talk to the whole family? You can talk to the whole family. Hell, we can go to Staten Island and spend the weekend with uh, them, Andy. Now, that is a positive idea, Ben. It, it is? How about it? Andy? What? Would you like to go to Staten Island? I also think that... With this type of movie, everyone who wants to see it probably already has. Whereas, like, these movies that are, like, on these lists that, like, you know, there's a bunch of people who are like, well, I gotta, gotta check those out. I mean, we just had a guest on our show in our last episode that was doing the same thing. Like, going through this list of movies you just have to see. But when it comes to rom-coms, and for better or worse, uh, I think your phrasing in our last episode was they were sneered at. Uh, by, hmm. you know, the Academy and people who make these lists. So I think people who like rom-coms, people like you and me, smart people, good people, um, good we, people. Will have, we will have seen it, or at least, like, if it pops up, I'm like, oh, I have wanted to check that out. That's one I missed. The other people are either going to delete it or they're going to listen to it regardless because they're like, well, I'm never going to watch that, so might as well just enjoy this back and forth. Because it's not like, especially with a rom-com, anything, any genre fair with specific tropes, it's not... It's not like you're going to be surprised 
by a lot of things that happen in these movies. So spoilers kind of go out the window. Um, like in a movie like this, I don't think you're thinking, oh, it's going to end in violence. Like it's not, <laughs> it's going to end nicely because it's a rom-com. It's a romantic comedy. So you can listen to it without a lot of fear, I think. Let me start uh, checking off some boxes here for uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Do we have our lead female character working for a magazine? Check. Do we have uh, the male working for an ad agency? Is a marketing of some sort? Mm, check. <laughs> Are they uh, pretty people somehow uh, magically in this world, unattached at this particular moment? Uh, check. And also back to that, like, working marketing. Not only marketing, but working like man marketing. Beer and sports. <laughs> There's a pool table, like right outside their uh, yes. their office doors. Uh, I will, on that note, the uh, the one part where uh, the auteur uh, Donald Petrie behind uh, Grumpy Old Men. Oh, okay. Do anything for you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Big fan of that movie. Yeah. I think he followed this up with Welcome to Mooseport, which may Ooh. have been the start of the, <laughs> the end of Gene Spiral, Hackman, right? Is that? <laughs> Yeah, he said, this uh, killed my love of movies. I'm going to start a podcast now because that's easier <laughs> and more artistically satisfying in some way. I would listen to a Gene Hackman podcast. It would be very short and very angry. Uh, I would definitely listen to that. My co-host on Trilogy Theory would not. Yeah, he has I know. a strange <laughs> hatred for Gene Hackman, uh, Webbist. I, I still don't really understand it, and I was a part of that recording, and I was just befuddled by it. But maybe it was Mooseport, the curse of Mooseport. Uh I want to give some credit here to uh, Mr. Petrie and uh, the, I guess, the set designer that um, it may be the rare occurrence. This is not checking it off the box. Now, while Matthew McConaughey has uh, Ben Barry here, uh, superhero name, Benjamin Barry. Yeah, it's uh, very Flash-like. Yeah, that's... I would say his apartment looks reasonable for someone who probably does very well for himself, mm -hmm. Uh but is still within the confines of, hey, I live in New York City. Yeah. It's a cool apartment, mm -hmm. but his bed, kitchen, living area is all one space that you can see. I believe only the bathroom um, for obvious reasons. Uh, Mike, you know, you know this. Men only need two rooms, a bathroom and everything else. That's, that's Well, <laughs> you have to have the bathroom in this film because you have to have a uh, – you have to pull a Fairly Brothers. You have to have a Vagisil joke. At some point in here. And it wasn't just Vagisil. I mean, it was like every feminine product you could imagine. Uh, almost more than could fit in that little medicine cabinet in his tiny bathroom. So had you seen this before? Or no? You did no. ask me, is it streaming anywhere? And I'm like, no, you got to pay for it somewhere. <laughs> I even tried to share it with you. And it's not apparently <laughs> nope. eligible for movies anywhere. I was trying to do the like screen sharing thing that I usually right. have to do for my co-host, uh, Hiro, who like apparently can't work a computer or well, digital grandpa hiro i mean what are you gonna do okay so the matthew mcconaughey romantic comedy thing has always been weird to me um it was a time yeah it was a stretch I, it's a huge stretch especially because most most men in romantic comedies are not this good looking like they're good looking guys but they're not like like matthew mcconaughey is like model beautiful you know, the perfect bone structure, the perfect body, all that stuff. You usually don't get that. Uh, so I was like, this is weird. And I remember seeing, like, trailers for these movies. And I was like, these don't look like they're for me at all. And I had actually never seen a McConaughey romantic comedy until maybe a year ago. 
when I was on another podcast, um, um, it pod to be you, uh, with our mutual friend Manish. Um, and I did an episode on failure to launch. Uh, so I was like, okay, this is the McConaughey romantic comedy thing. And I was like, well, at least I didn't have to watch how to lose a guy in 10 days. And here we are <laughs> back for more. I cannot imagine. I, as you, you know, knew Mike would come through as you, you know, eventually. Yes. As you know, big fan of romantic comedies. I like the romantic comedy, but like something about McConaughey in these movies just like rubs me the wrong way. I just, mm, something about it's just not right. So Wait I kind minute. of avoided it. Are you saying you don't want to give one to the, uh, the ladies here, as far as the amount of looks and sex appeal that's going to be thrown their way, because we're coming off an episode with Clark Gable, so yeah, you know, th- th- it started all of this, and he's got it right. Yeah, right? you're not saying yeah. he's an uggo. Of any no, sort. definitely not. No, you're absolutely right. I don't know. It's it's something about McConaughey. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because of his start with like Days and Confused, and he has like a very distinct personality, and it's not like it's not romantic lead stuff. Um, so it just kind of throws me off. So I just, I just think of him as McConaughey and I don't ever think of him as these characters in these, in these romantic comedies. Like, I don't know if it's just like the believability is just such a stretch for me with Clark Gable. You, you have the kind of balance between the romance and the masculinity and the strength. Um, and McConaughey, like he plays kind of everything with a smirk. Uh, we kind of talked about this with uh, with another movie we watched with uh, a Val Kilmer movie where he plays it all with the smirk. But that's a very different kind of character. Spartan. Make sure to yes. repeat because I'm sure that's one they skipped. Well, that's one they deleted. Well, because they can't find it anywhere. It doesn't exist. Hey, hey. It's not Keep the continuity straight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you meant our episode. I'm like, it'll be oh, no. up no, no, before no, this. No, no. I would never doubt you like that, Mike. December never, ever. 2021. Yes. All of these. Yes. <laughs> all at once. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just a tough, it's a tough stretch for me to, to see McConaughey as this romantic lead. I don't know if it's cause he's like too funny in other stuff and the movies I actually really like him in are like much more dramatic in style. Um, like movies like, uh, like Mud. Dallas Buyers Club, huh? You're a no, huge fan. ugh, disgusting. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Like movies like Mud, for instance. Like I think that's the best thing he's ever done. That stuff really Maybe works know that. The IMDb four has mud. I'm going reverse now, uh, so from right to left. Known for mud, Killer Joe, Magic Mike, and Dallas Buyers Club is the top one on IMDb. God, I we were so sure close to a good quadrilogy I there. Dazed and Confused would get in there. I, I felt like that's the iconic. Oh, uh, it's hundred percent. I mean, it's hundred percent the iconic role because not only is it like the one he was introduced to us in, but it seems like the closest to his personality. Like just kind of the stoner who's just kind of having a good time through life, you know, getting arrested, playing bongos naked on his porch. That's the kind of guy McConaughey is. I just had a a, a whim um, struggling with Marcus Played, which is the uh, podcast I do with uh, Grandpa Hiro. Uh, and he is in charge of editing, and that has come to a standstill. And the, uh, the the episode that did it was North by Northwest, which he just dragged his feet on. He hates it. Uh, he thinks it's dumb. He doesn't like Cary Grant getting drunk, which was a strange one for me huh. to try because Hiro, as far as I know, that was one of his pastimes. He loved I mean, getting drunk. Maybe and, Cary Grant's just too good looking when he's drunk. What is it with people that I'm involved with in podcasting that hate good looking men on screen? I don't understand this. That's what I get. I want see, to see pretty. Here's people. the thing. Um, I like McConaughey is like objectively, stereotypically good looking, but like something about it like does nothing for me. 
Like I just like I can't get into it. I don't look at him I mean, that's, and I'm like, that's oh fine, my Dave. god, just, just you have to be everything yeah. to all people, you know. It's just not for me, and that's okay. little underdog Maddie McConaughey, you know. <laughs> Finally, someone may find him attractive. Maybe Mike. Maybe maybe you're the one. Yeah, he's not really my taste either, if I'm being honest. Um, I, I, my idea with Hyro is uh, we wanted to turn Marcus Played into a uh, Mount Rushmore type thing. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned with Hyro is if you allow him to program, uh, it will be the same movies over and over. The uh, same four the... movies from 1982 to 1989. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting a lot of that. Uh, and I'm wondering if we just need to restrict ourselves to whatever the IMDb known for is and just roll the dice. Um, See what happens. Yeah. Dallas Buyers Club could be a rough uh, episode. I don't know. I only watched it once and I honestly don't have too much of my memories of it. That's um, okay. I think it sucks. Actually... You're not missing much. See, I, I remember thinking like, yeah, it's fine. I it's guess. just but like Green all... Book, Mike. It's just another Green Book. Green Book. No. Green Book I have fun time with. Uh, and as I said on the last episode – it pained me that for all of the uh, the vitriol that uh, Green Book gets, that somehow its critic score is too high to be yep. a mic pick on this podcast, which I one day will go – maybe you know when you're blathering on later in this episode <laughs> talking about the film, I'll, uh, I'll look up some reviews for Green Book when I'm looking for the negative reviews for How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days and see, see all those people that are probably ashamed of their <laughs> Toronto Film Festival reviews yeah. where they raved about it. Mm-hmm. See, and yeah. also this just goes to show you – and this is kind of connected to like – it makes me think of when um, they decided to make a very expensive sequel to Blade Runner. Uh, Blade Runner 2049 because the people who love it are really loud so they're like this will Mm. make a lot of money and Green Book is one of those that like the people who hate it are just deafening at volume um like it's the worst thing ever made it's the most racist film they're on Twitter I mean let's be honest and then when you go Uh, to like reviews or to like normal people they're like yeah it's pretty good like I don't think anyone's walking out of Green Book thinking this changed the world and this was the best movie I saw this year but a lot of people watched it and felt like it was pleasant, and it's that kind of. I liked movie. it quite a bit. I, I've I've been uh, on the record with that. Tonight. Braver than the Marines, Mike. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah, film Twitter. I'm, I'm sure so physically uh, imposing <laughs> to me. I mean, if you if you get fifteen of them together, Mike, you know, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's just it. You know, I'm I'm confident in myself that it'd just be like the burly brawl. I'd just be Neo, just <laughs> throwing them around. You fucking um, nerd. Oh, Jesus. Am, is it me or you, them? I you. Like, you went from like so tough out. and then like, I don't know. I don't know where to go here. It was like, I picture this and then he brought in that reference and I don't, I don't know, man. I like movies, Dave. What am I saying? <laughs> you know, I, I got to make references where I can. Uh, so much so, I did not have necessarily the ill will with the uh, reconnaissance of, I guess, rom-coms which i guess began in 2001 with the wedding planner which i remember not liking i was in high school and is that uh, the j-lo one i was never a big jennifer lopez fan but i think i was last to well not last because i think you know she had her own sort of uh you know renaissance i guess especially on twitter as far as uh when she came back but i you know i remember the days where everyone just thought she was a jerk like just that, you know, she had a bad reputation for, yeah. for being a diva and wasn't too likable in interviews. And I don't really care about that so much. I just thought, man, when I saw Out of Sight, I was like, this woman is going to dominate. Yeah. And then yeah. I was just so – I was like a parent that was so disappointed that I didn't get that Jennifer well, Lopez. Well, it's sad because that's, still, that's still the best thing she's ever done. And it's yeah. not even uh, close, really. I is mean, that I, on any sort of list? 
Hmm. Would that be on any of this? Because it's obviously too good for me to select it, but I would love to rewatch Out of Sight for something. I'll have to check. I mean, I'm sure it's probably on that 1001 films, if nothing else. Because um, that gives you a wide range. Well, I'm <laughs> trying to stick with like to AFI, VFI, Sight and Sound. <laughs> it might be on Sight and Sound. I'll have to check. Maybe okay. it is. So, Wedding Planner 2001. Um, he's got, you know, Frailty, Reign of Fire. So, it's, you know, I'll give him more credit. It's just that he didn't have breakout hits. It did right. seem like the stuff that got some degree of box office success, like, you know, The Wedding Planner, uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, which. I'm trying to see the box office for it. Uh, 23 million uh, opening weekend. That sounds like a century ago that this type of right? rom-com <laughs> would do 23 million. Uh, and it grossed over a hundred million dollars in the U S uh, 71 million internationally. So yes, a hit. Uh, but yeah, you've got frailty, rain of fire in between their tiptoes, which your co-host on uh, Wards don't matter. Andrew, I've heard him reference it. Cause I think Gary Oldman plays, uh, I think a slightly offensive part. I don't remember what sort of uh, disability oh, they're on. Yeah, it looks yeah. I've seen the trailer. I've, that have you seen the trailer for that? I've only seen the image, the poster okay. that he shares occasionally. People find the trailer for this movie because it is one of the funniest two minutes you'll ever see. It's not trying to be. It's not attempting to be that funny. But oh my god, there's a lot going on in that trailer. Carol and Stephen's life together was perfect. I've got to get going. Right this second. Hey, baby. Hey, sweetie. I love you. There's one small problem. Hi, I'm Ralph. I'm his brother. We're twins. Are your parents? Um... Yeah. It can tear them apart. I think you're going to let me know that everyone in your family's a midget. They're not midgets, Carol. They're dwarfs. Whatever. Or bring them together. Hey, welcome. I'm Steven. Oh, there you are. This is Steven's father, Bruno, and his mom, Kathleen. And over behind the bar is Steven's brother, Rolf. Hi. You could have prepared us for this, don't you think? If you embarrass me, I'll never speak to you again, so just get it together. Hey there, buddy. Great. I think maybe I'm pregnant. When the going gets rough, it's only the size of your heart that counts. Would it really be that big of a deal if our kid was a dwarf? You knocked up this great girl, and you didn't tell her that her baby's probably going to be little. I'm not like you. We are so cute and cuddly. Don't discriminate against us. You said these parties got a little wild. I never expected this. There's sure a lot of midgets around here. You better back off, Goldie Hawn. My man can do what he wants to do. I'm ready for an adult relationship. What is this man doing in your bedroom? A walk down the aisle. Ah, uh, Stevens, uh, he's a very lucky guy. I just hope he's smart enough not to screw it up. Is just a beginning. There'll be rough patches, there's no doubt about it. Canal Plus and Langley Productions proudly present command performances from Kate Beckinsale, Matthew McConaughey, Patricia Arquette, and in the role of a lifetime, Gary Oldman. Tiptoes. Yeah, so that's uh, not one to bring to the table as far as like, okay, this is why Matthew McConaughey kept doing rom-coms because he did Tiptoes Sahara, which I think has Steve's on in it. Yeah. So. Didn't that didn't that bomb? Like, well, I feel like that was a huge bomb to buy. Two for the money. Al Pacino, another bomb, uh, like an attempt to be rounders and it was not. Um, failure to launch, 2006. So there's three years in between. Yeah. But it just he tried. It seems like... <laughs> 
<laughs> he tried, but they kept pulling him back in. Uh, it's like, well, i got to pay off uh, that next house. Uh, time to go back to the well. <laughs> he does uh, We Are Marshall. Uh, then he goes back to Kate Hudson for Fool's Gold in 2008. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tropic Thunder, where he's just totally ridiculous. Surfer Dude, which I think was like a Twitter, uh, like, and it still is kind of a meme or was for a few years. Right. And then finally, I think Ghosts of Girlfriends Past with Jennifer Garner was the last, I guess, of the uh, McConaughey rom-com. So it's like, you know, four over four or five over a 10 year period seems like so much more doesn't it like it seems like that period of time like maybe just because it was so stretched out so you had this long period of being in rom-coms and it was just like by the way out of sight the closest thing it gets to any lists is afi's 100 years 100 thrills it got nominated it didn't make it to the the top 100 well there's no accounting for taste so um on that note i mentioned the box office for this one uh, Rotten Tomato score, which uh, you got a preview of at uh, the tail end of our It Happened One Night episode. Uh, unlike Green Book, which sits at, a, I think, a 78, this is 42% for, yeah. Um, Actually, you know what? That's not as low as I feared it would be. Because like, that's too close. low for my taste. That close, I'll tell you that's that. close to like a half and half, and you, you're going to have a lot of critics, frankly, who are anti-rom-com in general. Like, so, you know, and this is not a rom-com that's trying to reinvent the genre. This is really, you know, it knows what it is, and it's trying to go over those tried and true ways that rom-coms are successful. And if you look at the the money they made, it sounds like they're pretty successful, right? Well, according to Jonathan Rosenbaum of the Chicago Reader, both lovers here are duplicitous creeps. In a perverse way, they're made for each other. For me, that four and a half stars on Letterboxd, that is same <laughs> review. Yeah. Because I think you know this, and this uh, I'll speak to a little bit on uh, my, my love of uh, Green Book, I guess. Uh, I like, in a strange way, movies about stupid people because I mm. think we're well accustomed to if someone is the lead uh, in a film, they are uh, almost supernaturally gifted in some way. Or they're the smartest guy in the room. Uh, they're the... Uh, you know, most um, successful woman in their career path, whatever. Like, it's they're the best of the best. To some degree, it makes sense because you are filming, like, genetic gods on right. screen. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you're going to believe Kate Hudson, I don't know, picking up trash and doing community service. Like, because uh, usually in that regard, I mean, I guess it worked for Charlize Theron when she's playing a killer and monster. But they, like, go out of their way to say it's no longer Charlize. Right, right. Like right. We we're going to we're gonna change her face. Her... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I get that to a certain degree. But one of the things I like about this and Green Book, Green Book, the lead character is an idiot. He's dumb. Yes. Part of the backlash, you know, rightfully so. I didn't really get into the weeds as far as how accurate it is. I'm sure it's incredibly inaccurate <laughs> to the real life relationship of these so, two men. It's a good bet. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I will say then fairness, fairness to the Fairly Brothers, it's not entirely outside their wheelhouse of having a dumb ignorant male as the lead character. Uh, I don't know where the awards contention came from all of a sudden, but (laughs) it's very strange. I say that someone enjoyed the movie and I enjoyed seeing those two guys on the road together, including the idiot here. I wouldn't say that they, both these characters are stupid necessarily, but they make themselves dumb for this Mm. strange bet that they don't know that the other one is involved with. Um, I, I believe Matthew McConaughey is set up uh, by <laughs> at least one woman who used to be like an MTV 
VJ or like a she hosted a show on MTV. I I only recognize the face uh, as someone that's like a is cast that, off from Zoolander is that or something. Shalom Harlow, like she did like House. Was, of was Sti- she on MTV? House yes. of Style. Okay. Yeah. God, why do something I know my, that? But my yes. lizard brain was pulling that. Where I'm like, you were on I'm MTV. So, what my, did you Mike, do? I am so bad that I know that. I can't even. Yeah. You you definitely are worse <laughs> in that regard. But I'm just thinking like, yeah, you you must have introduced videos or something. I, I didn't know your yeah. face. Uh, but they they are aware uh, that you know their competitor for this account. There's always you know they got to win this account. Um, this uh, you know this kind of pig, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, you know he can bed women, but hey, can he make one fall in love with him? That's that's what you have to do to earn this account uh, to sell diamonds uh, to people. Which I I don't know. Is there like a big marketing need to sell diamonds to people? Isn't that something that just... What was the marketing thing? Get dusted or something? Frost yourself. Frost Frost yourself. yourself. God, it's even worse. What a horrible tagline. You know, it's funny because you watch this and you don't know if you're supposed to take that seriously or uh, there's another rom-com that I watched not for a podcast, just for my own personal pleasure. Rewatch, speaking of Charlize, uh, Sweet November. Uh, mm. which was a remake. I never saw the original with Keanu Reeves. And he also is some sort of ad, ad executive where I remember he makes this horrific pitch uh, where he really sexualizes like hot dogs or something. Like he's trying to sell hot dogs. And yet again, I thought, you know what, Mike, I've never seen this movie and now I'm interested. That's <laughs> I'll, I'll drop a clip here, uh, maybe to save you some trouble watching the whole thing, because it's not in keeping with the tone of the rest of the film, but this is your brand image. Mr. Leach. We pulled your primary demographic. You know what 89% said? Boring. Safe. We need to drop a bomb. You don't want hot dogs. Safe. What's in a hot dog? Don't tell me. I don't want to know. (laughs) They're dangerous. What are we selling here? We're selling temptation, desire, animal instincts, gluttony. Sin. We want to show man as he really is. A savage. He needs fire. He needs food. He hunts and gathers. What does he get? He gets a hot dog. We're pagans. We love our rituals. Our team hits the ball out of the park. We're screaming. We're insane. What do we want? We want a hot dog. Let's go straight to your preteen demographic. Kids. The little angels. They're not angels. They're monsters. We give them a tuna sandwich. They don't want a tuna sandwich. They want a hot dog. We need women. We've got the mothers. We want the daughters. Let's ask that age-old question. What does a woman really want? You know. I know. She wants a hot dog. We're hot-blooded. We need sex. We need a sinful, dangerous food. What is it? It's a hot dog. It's a hot dog. It's a hot dog. It's a hot dog. Dr. Diggity. It's a hot dog. Much like I'm equating diamonds to hot dogs. I'm like, aren't they just there? If you right, if you want a hot dog, propose, you're gonna get it. <laughs> do I need Keanu to tell me to eat a hot dog? I, I don't think so. Maybe Dave. Maybe you'll you'll go for it. But it's. <laughs> It's kind of hideous, like his pitch. Huh. Uh, not as much here, but it's equally ridiculous. Where but I'm I think like, this one, he... you're definitely supposed to think it's a good idea. Like, I don't... And it, 
it's it not. still plays silly. I'm waiting for someone in the film to say that's stupid because I'm right. I'm like just sort of I'm in the meeting like is this good is this bad I don't know. Yeah, we're we're far cry from you know a monologue from Don Draper and Mad Men here where it's like oh this is the good shit. Yeah, it's not quite nostalgia. The pain of this. No, it's just yeah. <laughs> Frost yourself. It sounds like an insult. It's not great. Not not the carousel speech here. Um, <laughs> let me go back to my checklist, Dave. Does Catherine Hahn play a best friend or supporting character? Goddamn check. Yes. I struggled with this one because uh, shout out again to my co-host on Marcus played. Maybe if that ever comes back, you know, when we, we reopen with our Dallas All Buyers right, Club. The star episode. of Bad Moms, right? That's, that's just... Yeah, because I'm like, you know what? There's something there. And I'm like, is it the Bad Moms influence where I'm like, this woman should never be alone. Like, I don't know if I felt that way back then. I'm like, there's, there's gold here and she is, uh, she, she is deserving of attention. And I don't know if I'm comfortable with her being like the man, she's an idiot when it comes to boys. She just can't. Yeah. I'm thinking, so no, Catherine so Hahn's I, got too much talent. So I love Catherine Hahn. I think she's, I think she's fantastic in just about everything. And you know, now I guess she's a, she's an MCU person now. Uh, she got roped into that nonsense too. Oh, uh, she's in WandaVision. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she plays uh, in WandaVision. Um, uh, this is maybe my least favorite performance by her. Um, and it's not because of anything she's doing in particular. It's just like there's not much there. She's just there to be a mess. I think her in the second half as she like joins in on the shenanigans of her friend I think is fun where she's playing the therapist. Shitting and... on McConaughey. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, good. It's good. <laughs> I like and, and even that the about moment, this film. Even the moment later when you know he figures it out and there's that little moment where he's like, you're not a therapist. Like, it's a good moment between the two of them. It's, it's mm-hmm. genuinely very funny. But all the stuff with leading up, because she is essentially the impetus for this whole thing, is that she is a mess and does things to drive good men away, apparently. So her good friend almost... is like, I'm going to use your life to further my career. Yeah. And, and they played off like it's a favor. Like, well, at least my friend is well, doing it, not some stranger, uh, I guess. Here's how I read it, Dave. It's a revenge tour on men. By the the power of Kate Hudson, she's like, mm. I have a particular set of skills. I will now run men through the ringer uh, for your pleasure uh, to to get back at them. But having seen Bad Moms, I'm like, no, Catherine Hahn's capable of doing that herself, Hell and yeah, so much more, <laughs> so much more. Um, I you know the one thing that's hard about the rom com genre, which I think this film succeeds at, is as you said, the very premise of it is. Uh, why would either of these characters put up with the uh, bullshit ups and downs of like a 90 to 120 minute runtime uh, when they would just they would just say, all right, enough of that. Like, yeah, you're good looking. But in movie world, everyone's good looking. Like, right. you know, Dave is like, hey, look at the, the House of Style woman. She's right. in this as well. You but, and I would be like <laughs> trolls under the bridge in this. Right. In this yes. Everyone. <laughs> the like the best friends who can't keep a man are beautiful. Like right. stunning. In real life, you'd be like, that's the prettiest person I know. That's. <laughs> So I enjoy, you know, the, the, the basic setup of watch two beautiful people uh, try to make the other one miserable. Um, apparently more people than I remembered. I didn't realize it was quite the financial hit that it was. Uh, enjoyed it as well um, because there is the safety net of knowing, okay, eventually, eventually they're going to get together. Like, right. it's fine. It's like all this, you know, dirty pool, whatever. It, it, it's cool. 
I don't know how, you know, in modern film Twitter speak, how the uh, Kate Hudson really embracing the perceived gender roles would play. Um, I don't, I think on this one, it's a draw as far as, you know, both of them coming across as kind of infantile as far as playing, playing their parts Mm -hmm. uh, because McConaughey, he's, (laughs) he's somehow, and this is the area where I do best this man. I assure you without shadow of a doubt that no matter what feminine nickname would be given to my penis, I'm I'm good. I'm Princess good to Sophia, go. Sophia, let's go. <laughs> Maybe you're just so used to having everything so fucking perfect that right. you know Kate Hudson doing her version of Pillow Talk. You know, it's just you're just not vibing with it. Uh, for me, I I'm just trying to get out of my own head. That's like uh, Kate Hudson wants to have sex with me. Kate Hudson right. wants to have sex with me. Kate like, Hudson I don't even isn't know. disgusted by the idea of my dick. Fine, call it whatever you like. It's <laughs> <laughs> not a problem. Sounds great to me. <laughs> Okay, so two things. One, uh, this is probably going to get me a lot of hate from both you and our mutual friend Jared. But I don't think okay. I've seen more than two or three movies with Kate Hudson in them. So almost famous, I'm assuming. Yep. And this. I think that's it. Wow. Okay. Um, no skeleton key. Didn't nope. dive into that. No, nope, but after like your that. episode on that, I feel like I need to now uh, after the focus on the certain body part of Kate Hudson in that episode. So go head, go like, look up that show. About, as soon as I mentioned it, I'm like, is he going to throw me under the bus? Yes. Yes, he is. <laughs> I was very excited. What can I say? Yeah. No. Valid. Um, so it's not that I'm – I so when I say like I was surprised by her performance here, it's not like a shot at her. It's just like I didn't – she was great and almost famous, but pretty much everything in that movie is great. So it's hard to gauge anything on this. But um, – in certain points in this movie, I think she's phenomenal. Like the bullshit scene, I think she's really genuinely great. And, and But that's at the point where the two of them are actually starting to fall for one another. So it's like the first time there's like a genuineness there. Um, the beginning of this movie, like I, <laughs> I was watching it and I stopped it just to like take a break. And then I tweeted, this movie is diabolical because that's how I felt about Who are you? this character. Fucking Dave Rosenbaum here, <laughs> duplicitous creeps, diabolical, I I, I perverse. That, I was like, and I don't hate this movie. I, I don't think I'd give it a negative review. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be like a glowing review, but I didn't hate it anywhere near as I feared I would. Four and a half stars coming <laughs> but, to my letterbox account yes. soon. But that, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a sports fan. Now, also, the most unrealistic thing about this movie is the Knicks being in the finals uh, yes. at that time in history. Uh, it was just like, against I, the Kings. It took I, the Bobby Jackson led Kings. I, it took me so long to get past this. I was just like, the, the first it was like the Knicks. Oh, okay, yeah, it's in New York. Okay, the Kings. Is that like the one that had the cheapest rights? Like, what are we? What are we doing? I feel here? like they they just so. filmed one game where they had the, yeah the right, rights to right. one game where the Knicks <laughs> randomly played the Sacramento Kings. Maybe and that's just, it. And, it, you know, it wasn't even the the Bibby Weber era. It was Bobby oh. Jackson and just I, yeah, we're we're losing. We're yeah, we're losing everybody. So, we have. So, so there's a sequence where it's like you know down to the last seconds of an NBA Finals game, kind of a big deal if you're a sports fan. Uh, and she keeps asking him to go get her a soda, and it's running thing. And I was like, I don't know if I would make it through this uh. bet. I don't. You're uh, you're 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 backing me into corner because well, both of us agreed the whole. My penis's name is uh, Princess Sophia now. Ah, whatever. whatever. I know that. that stuff's stupid anyway. I wouldn't have made it to that night. I wouldn't. Have, like, 
but yeah, okay, I'm on a date with Kate Hudson. I know. So, so that's the other thing. It's Kate Hudson, who, by the way, looks stunning in this movie. Like even more attractive than usual. I have another review because I couldn't decide which negative review I want to use. This is from Alexander Walker of the London Evening Standard. I'm assuming talking. Are you going to do it with an accent? It's London. I feel like you should break out a British accent. I, you know, we've had uh, (laughs) a guest uh, from New Zealand, I believe, who has like uh, like the most uh, superior accent to anything I could come up with. If I could reach out and see if Zia would do this review, I might say, "Hey, can you just read this for me real quick?" I know it's you know we're we're not in the same you know country necessarily, but. Uh, might as well be compared to my Kentucky accent. Yes. But I'll read it for your pleasure right now, Dave. We'll see what I can do in the edit. Um, Alexander Walker, London Evening Standard. Assuming she's talking about Kate Hudson. She plays the ninny and the harpy, the baby doll and the ball breaker. It's Kate Hudson's film. All right. But this actress is a cold squeeze, not well photographed either. And has the worst hairdo on the East side. What? What? So I'm like, I'm getting really angry right now. What? So the beginning of that review, I'm like, yes, all that is true, but that's they, they are playing a part. They're playing a con with right. each other and you know, he's playing hyper masculine and like don't you know, call my penis what cold the conqueror or something, you know, nonsense. But fine, whatever. But not well photographed and the worst hairdo I, I mean I've got images here pulled up. I actually had Matthew McConaughey's real life images where he's like balding like badly. Right. I wanted to introduce that because you talked about him being perfect. I'm like, I don't know what he did, but there's some Karma's magic bitch, or witchcraft man. it worked <laughs> i i don't know i can't tell is it a connery thing did he have some sort of treatment or is that mm. like a a piece um i i don't know so good hair yeah, in this movie though hey, good hair in this movie yeah good hair in this movie uh apparently kate hudson is got dog shit on top of her head according <laughs> like, to the london evening standard what the hell man Un- unbelievable um, obviously I disagree with, uh, every word of the second half of what you just said to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kept thinking like this, this movie is, is a warning <laughs> about what pretty people can fucking get away with in the world. Cause I, cause I thought as I was watching this, I was like, I would never put up with that. And I was like, well, she looks like that. Maybe, hmm, you know, there's a finals next year. It's just game one. Are you saying that's the worst thing that's done is the, the, the NBA finals moment where you miss the, the end of a game? And actually that happens multiple times on their dates during the finals where she takes them to uh, uh, Celine Dion, which is a bad gag. They're wearing yeah. pink shirts. Yeah. Uh, one of them is they go out to eat, which I do like because he's just like salting. What he says, it's cow food. It's food for cows. And just, yes. I enjoyed that. As she goes into the kitchen and finishes the, the game with the, you know, the, the crew there. I, I, I like think, that one all right. I think the worst thing she does – I think – I think that is bad, but I, I never would have gotten to the worst thing because I think that would have been my weird mm. line because I've, I've, so, I've been in relationships with people who hate sports and it's a very mm-hmm. similar, like, this isn't important. Why are you watching this? Like, go do something for me. And I'm like, ugh, don't like that. But to me, the worst, mm-hmm. the worst stuff is when she shows up at guy's night and just interrupts everything and kind of screws everything up for him i don't moment. know dude Didn't like if that. i'm one of the guys i am reveling in the troll job that we're having here. like i don't maybe i'm not oh, aware if i'm of one of happening. his friends yeah <laughs> but if i'm him i'm fucking pissed so what do you think is the worst thing is it the the vagisil is it the redecorating oh, the house no. in five no, seconds the thing yeah, Cheating again, fine trolling. what is the <laughs> oh I'll, you know, a lot of this stuff i find like all right 
you know, all fair in love and war, all that. They, that she, I think there's a line like that, like you know, what basically what's the limit? And he's like, you know, there is no limit, yeah. baby. And, and she just says, like, good course, answer. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. dumbass. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he thinks he's being cool, and I guess he's thinking this is some sort of, you know, sexual conversation they're having, right. which it's it's not the worst thing that she does. Um, barring the the sports thing, which they keep going back to, uh, keep ruining that. Um, I'm, I'm actually stuck. Maybe Kate Hudson, I find so charming that I'm like, I, I enjoy I mean, all you that. do I enjoy love the your shit. ones. I mean, yeah, yeah. And she's in that yellow dress. I'm looking at the poster now yeah. and everyone's just so golden and perfect. Um, I, okay. I, I do have one. Um, okay. it's not what she puts into play. It's Catherine Hahn trolling when she's playing the part of the therapist. The therapist. <laughs> when she <laughs> like tries to introduce. Scene in the movie. It's great. <laughs> she tries to introduce a, a bit of, I guess, gay panic in this man saying, uh, just out of nowhere. Like, when did you realize you were attracted to men? And Kate Hudson goes right along with it. I felt like that. I was not, I didn't find that to be cool. That was, um, to me, maybe the most likable McConaughey was in the whole movie. Cause I love that he turns around and says five minutes ago, you said I was having sex with someone else and now I'm gay. Like I was like, okay, I kind of like you. Like I, I didn't like it when he wasn't like standing up for himself. Like there were all these things that she kept doing. And okay. Cause it's a bet. He wants to, you know, make her fall in love. Mm-hmm. He wants to do all the right things. So he's stopping. So when he starts to snap, through the movie, I find the movie so much more enjoyable when there's actual confrontation between these two. Um, and that's that's why the, the scene with his family ends up working so well for me. Because it's like it's after some of that stuff has happened and they're starting to connect again. That that part of the relationship really works. But there's just – there's so many gags early in the movie that I, I think I had a hard time going like, okay, I don't understand how you get past this other than there's money on the line. And that's – that's not super romantic. So the movie's got a lot of work to do to make but you it's a room popular for this relationship. Oh, in yeah. This genre. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's all that. Like, you can, you know, there's tons of examples. I'm not saying it's Shakespearean or something, but, you know, go way back and there's all sorts of uh, oh, yeah. different little uh, games that people are playing that, you know, when they long since probably just go home and be like, this is weird. <laughs> right. I mean, I did have I did have a lot of moments like that where I was like, I mean, I think that's why they throw in the other um, his his coworkers and her coworkers to kind of egg them on. Because any halfway sane person at about 20 minutes into this movie would be like, yeah, I don't need it that bad. I'm good, actually. Like, especially given that even when she goes through all this, she quits her job anyway. Like, all that work. And she's like, you know, this isn't for me. I do have a treat for us here. You know, I, I okay. mentioned that I wanted to get uh, Zeta, a previous guest. Um, but, you know, th- that came up naturally in the conversation. But uh, I'm probably putting this at the wrong point. Uh, but it does bring us to... You know, the, uh, the one thing I dislike greatly in this film, in most films, where we can't just have a person that just writes a very successful column. Like, the film opens with her <laughs> writing about political strife in another country. And she's like, this is what – I think the character even says, like, this is what I want to be writing about. Uh, politics. Things that matter. And it's like, what do you mean politics? Like, what <laughs> – like, you need to – that's just a broad term for, like, smart right. things. Other things, not this. Not beauty. That's <laughs> which also like I don't know how people who like these type of movies, which I include myself, like these 
you know, kind of throwaway rom-coms that come out, you know, especially around Valentine's Day where it's like, just go enjoy charming people being charming. You know, take someone that you're, you know, in love with, falling in love with, whatever, have a cute date night. Uh, what does it say at the beginning of the movie where the Kate Hudson character is like, I don't like all this. This is all bullshit, you know. This is beneath me. Even what I'm about to participate in for the next two hours, uh, I myself, Andy Anderson, the character, thinks this is, ugh, this is no way to live. They it's both just, have you know, superhero names. Now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I reached out to my co-host Webb on Trilogy and Theory because I know he loves to uh, read off passages. And I sent him a screenshot of her article, what I could capture uh, from the film that opens and said, can you just read this in your Webb voice? Like, let's see if uh, little Andy Anderson, has she got the, uh, you know, political chops to be on Meet the Press or whatever? I don't think so, but Webb's going to try to dress it up for okay. us. But nice. uh, yeah, one you know, I, I'm I'm nitpicking on this because I think that I understand why this is a hit because I, I think this is like a old fashioned movie star kind of package deal. Like you know, we're making fun of McConaughey at the start of this conversation, but you put him in this, people apparently liked him in that time period with uh, you know a uh, where he meets his match. I think that's the same thing in the Wedding Planner. For I've not rewatched that one. I don't think recently. Uh, but you know, there's, I believe she, the premise of that one is she's planning his wedding to someone else. And of course they fall in love. So it's a little bit more dicey, but you know, <laughs> fun ensues, right? Sure. <laughs> I mean, and I think, you know, since that one is about that, at least three of his four romantic comedies are all about like women who, you know, make him meet his match. Like that's, that's kind of his thing, which makes sense with someone who looks like that well put together and that kind of objectively good looking and successful in all these roles. You need someone who's going to call him out on the carpet for this. Stuff. And he plays distressed in a uh, shockingly cool way too. Yes. Like this is yes. not Ben Stiller distressed uh, is like, I'd never want to be that guy. Like he, when he's being put through the <laughs> ringer, Obviously, there's a disparity in, uh, you know, genes. No offense to (laughs) Jerry Stiller or whatever. Um, (laughs) Jerry Stiller, known supermodel. Yes. (laughs) I was going to say, you know, Ben Stiller actually came out pretty well as far as the way he's he's aged. He's not looking like the old man. Um, I don't know if he's got the voice of Jerry Stiller. It's an all-timer. Who does? Especially when he's he's yelling and screaming at people. That's that's beautiful. That's... (laughs) strangely arousing in some way at least for me um anyway have we talked enough about how to lose a guy in 10 days um i think i have just uh two things that i want to bring up and one of them is a question for you Uh, okay but the first thing is like you know you brought up the the political writing of uh andy anderson here politics i just want to write politics so all i kept thinking during this whole movie was like woman do you know where you work why would you think they were going to let you write that here like that well yeah i mean, I mean you're you know right. what i mean it's a, like it's ahead of its time but isn't uh was it teen is it teen vogue, teen or whatever? vogue yeah during the elections was a big deal yes I guess. absolutely. i mean i don't know but in this time yes. like it's yeah. like it would be like working for glamour magazine and being like oh let's talk about you know the 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 horrible things that are going on in rwanda it's like that's not your readership so if you want to do that you need to go to another job like, so B.B. Newworth, uh, uh, her boss in this, and I was just kind of like, I mean, she's kind of right. Like, what are, we, what are we doing here? This is not the type of rag you write for, and it's time to maybe move on. If that's what you want to do, do it where it's wanted, not at a magazine that expects different things. So I was like, totally Yeah, I don't know why that. the film thinks that she, 
our female lead needs to be better than what she's doing. Whereas, I mean, the most you can say about McConaughey is he's stretching into something that's maybe aimed at a different demographic than what he's used to, but he's not saying he's in it because it's more financially viable for him to broaden his, his accounts and his base, if you will. But it's not because he's like, this is more serious than beer commercials. He doesn't care about that. No, why why should she, he cares about the payoff. That's it. Yeah. I, I mean, in some way, you know, it's almost like they're, uh, they're trying to get some of her rough edges off by saying she wants to do it, not because she wants to have more claim and have, she wants to write for the times or the post. It's because she wants to do something that's important. She doesn't care who she's writing for. Like, I, I wouldn't knock her if she was just like McConaughey and she's like, I want to move up in the world. Like, in journalism, right. I want to stop yeah. writing for this magazine. It doesn't have to be just because it's like, I want to write about things that matter. Because, to me at least, her uh, just screwing with Matthew McConaughey for 10 days matters. That matters. <laughs> that matters. Yes, <laughs> Who else has the power? Yeah. Hudson, it's like you're... You're fucking Man of Steel. You're Zack Snyder's <laughs> Superman who doesn't want to be Superman. For right. you know, No, no. I don't want to utilize these great calling. gifts and powers. Give the, Jesus. Use the gift. Uh, Destroy so the, him. The last thing is a question for you. I I think you and I have been friends too long because I was as I was watching this movie, I was like, I wonder what this would be like if Katherine Heigl was in this role uh, instead of King mm. Hudson. Mm. And I was wondering, given given her stature – like her physical stature, do you think mm. this works better with someone like Heigl, or do you think the kind of shrieking uh, performance when she gets upset um, and is trying to act this way of Hudson works better here? Or do you think this is a better movie with someone more matching to his physicality? It, well, look, if you're asking me if this is a better movie with Catherine Heigl, yes, a thousand times <laughs> over. Nothing wrong with Kate Hudson. I think it actually would scare off, you know, the uh, the male audience or whatever, the other mm-hmm. half of the date night equation. Um, because what I find so appealing about Katherine Heigl is like, you know, she did a version of this and, and knocked up where she, I think she That's came exactly out. That's exactly why I that, thought of it. Like, yeah, there's, she's there's a like, lot of you know, my, here. Yeah. I was sort of cut together to look like the joy, the, the buzzkill, like, you know, and just the, the sort of, I think in this review, they're accusing uh, Kate Hudson playing like the nagging harpy. Um, but at least in this movie, it's a purposeful thing. She's supposed it's purposeful. to be. Yeah. Um, I think with Catherine Heigl that uh, she's, she maintains those kind of rough edges. I mean, she's mm-hmm. beautiful, like a movie star. But there was something, at least, you know, I know Anne Hathaway kind of strangely also had a reputation where it's like the internet hates her. I never got that. I think Catherine Heigl's was, you know, that bore out basically uh, from the the way her career went, um, where it's like, oh, she's not going to be the next Julia Roberts um, because for some reason she's seen as too abrasive. Which is funny if you go back and look at some of Julia Roberts' hits, something like, you know, Notting Hill, she's playing extremely abrasive and... Uh, you know, putting Hugh Grant through the ringer. I mean, apologies to our guest, uh, former guest Zita on her show, who really detested Notting Hill, <laughs> much like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. I love it. I love when uh, handsome men are just destroyed for two hours until they're they're beaten into submission. I also, think, I also think Heigl's career got derailed because we know so much about actors now. Like there was a very public thing where she was trying to get more money on Grey's Anatomy and then got you know, unceremoniously fired. So people saw her as someone who was like, 
you know, not happy with what she had and blah, blah, blah. So once well, she got into thing. movies, people have a negative attitude about her already. She, she dared to uh, want better material to work with. Yeah. Uh, you know, Sean Penn does that. It's like, man, he just cares about his craft mm. so fucking much. What and would be also, the difference? Also, I mean, the, the difference in their filmography, if people want to go to that point, is like, well, she you know, did so many rom-coms. What is she stressing about? Sean Penn's, you know, mm. he does Mystic River and Milk and things like that. To me, I, you know, we just did It Happened One Night, which is one of the, the sort of trinity of like, you know, the, the, the five big awards in, for the Academy. I I don't have a problem with someone... No, demanding the best, even in the genre that they like to do or that they're they're known for, that's fucking fine with me. Like, oh yeah, basically, and I, I want to make clear. I don't. When I was saying, what's the difference? I don't think the difference is you hate the Heigl. material. That's what you're coming across. No, like, I, I think... am the defender of Heigl. <laughs> yes. Which, no, if I you're think... having a conversation with me, whoever it is, if it's Catherine yeah, Heigl's mother, you're going to be more. She's going to come across anyone. like yes. she hates her own yes. child when she's talking to me about Catherine Heigl. I'm saying yes. what the difference is is she's a woman in Hollywood. Yes. So people are going to look at her as ungrateful. Whereas Sean Penn, like you want to say, oh, Sean Penn did Mystic River or whatever, or Milk or whatever. We started out as a, a pothead surfer in a team movie. <laughs> like this is not like that he was given opportunities later in his career that someone like Katherine Heigl has not gotten because Man. of, you know, sexism and misogyny. I tell you what, I don't care what our fucking theme is. I'm coming to bat. When it's my next pick, there's going to be a Heigl joint coming up because now I'm now I'm in the fucking mood. I'm looking at the known for. <laughs> I've not seen one for the money. I've seen Knocked Up, The Ugly Truth, Grey's Anatomy. We're bumping that. We don't do TV. That's beneath Heigl. <laughs> That's beneath me. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm all for it. Um, but that is to say, I, I think Kate Hudson is uh, very good here. Um, I do too. But she is she is definitely packaged to be appealing, even when she's doing very unappealing things and. That's its own skill set. You know, I mean, if that's that's the tone you're going for from the auteur Donald Petrie, I don't know. You know, it's, I also think maybe it's a, you know, it's a very different film if uh, a woman directs it. Obviously, I'd be interested in mm. that as well. They may, they may go further to my liking. They may, they may really uh, see what Matthew McConaughey has uh, cut out for, and I'd be all for that. Um, yeah, this is yeah. one I definitely don't think it deserved the uh, – Forty-two percent uh, audience score, seventy-seven. It was a financial success uh, back in two thousand three, and uh, I guess this is now the time where uh, Dave has to come in, mm. and uh, you know he has to play the Catherine Heigl knocked up part and be the, <laughs> the, the buzz, buzz kill. kill. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta ruin the mood that we've set. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So we started this month with, uh, or this this series with, uh, it happened one night, and of course we just you know covered this fantastic romantic comedy with Matthew McConaughey and both of them have this theme of reporters in love right um, so news news folk in love so I decided to go look at all these best of lists and the the first thing that came to mind and really the the only one that really hit because most most movies that are highly thought of about journalists are very serious and they're not really right. about romance it's like all the president's men or something like that so I chose uh, His Girl Friday, uh, which is all the way back in 1940, directed by Howard Hawks uh, and starring uh, maybe the greatest dual threat actor in history as far as drama, uh, drama and comedy, Cary Grant. So Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell. Um, so Rosalind Russell is the ex-employee of Cary Grant's uh, editor 
uh, for this paper. So we're gonna we're gonna take a look at a classic kind of screwball romantic comedy. So that I think I think that'll be fun, and it's actually a uh, a movie. It's a first time watch for me for this podcast. Um, it's one of the. It's definitely on that list of movies that I'm like can't believe I haven't seen that before, but now is the perfect Same opportunity. For me. Uh, strangely, I've seen the uh, first version of this, the front page. Oh, uh, yeah. Ben Zook, uh, my co-host on 99 from 99. I think we did a War Machine versus War Horse. Yeah, episode, with the paper, right? The paper, yes, yeah. with Michael Keaton. Uh, and uh, yeah, that one, I don't know if that one would have fit on this show. I, I know Ben Zook was a huge fan. To him, it was 99% in Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> in his heart for the paper. But, it's definitely uh, closer to yours than to mine, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this is a first time watch for me. I'm only aware of this in the sense that people often cite the title is the uh, the manner in which dialogue is delivered is uh, mm. it's like His Girl Friday. So right, and it's you know if you have Amazon Prime available to stream for free for you, so easy access if you'd like to watch that uh, and not skip the next episode. Uh, so definitely, definitely check that out. Get it for free. You had to pay for mine. As you should. You don't like where this is going. Look away, look away.